in the book of St. Luke. The book of St. Luke, chapter 12. Beginning at verse number 35. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. Like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. In the same vein of of worship today, uh, I want to talk about God's willingness to bless. God's willingness to bless. Amen? God's willingness to bless. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord, that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire, and you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you that your word is light and life. Thank you for sending to us light and life today. Have your way now. Grant a fresh anointing of your spirit that I might minister under your anointing and through your anointing, yokes destroyed and burdens removed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. God's willingness to bless. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God wants to bless you even more than the way you've already been blessed. Can anybody stand for more? Yeah. We're going to continue to talk about stewardship this morning. Um, it's a subject that we can ne- never exhaust. Um, and it, 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 I'm, I'm thankful for the way the Lord has given these messages because he's not just focusing us in on money, but he's focusing us, focusing us in on all that he has entrusted in our care. We could talk about money, but that's just a small part of being a steward of the Lord. And once we understand uh, stewardship and we commit ourselves to being faithful stewards, then the finances will flow uh, in the way that they should flow. So the Lord is leading us again to talk about stewardship. And there were some things that God began to speak to me. Uh, the other night at the conference, I think it was Friday night, and then last night he confirmed some more things to me. And I just happened to be reading and, and read the scripture that I've read 
many times before and just saw something that I never really paid a whole lot of attention to. Um, but when we look at stewardship, stewardship is about faithfully managing the owner's resources. Is that right? But the Lord began to show me that stewardship is more about getting his people to a place and a position of elevation. And we, we mentioned that. We mentioned that, 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 that um, he elevates one from being a servant to being a steward, to being a manager, to being a governor. Uh, stewardship is about God getting his people. It's about getting his people to a place of elevation, to a place of blessing. Um, yeah. From the vantage point of the owner, being willing to trust, being willing to share, being willing to bless those who are in his or her employ or his or her care, this is what stewardship does. When you look at it from the vantage point of the master, the owner, the governor of, of, the, uh, of the house, the owner of the house, when he places a person uh, or entrusts that person with his property, he is putting them in a place or he's elevating them to a different place. He's blessing them. He's blessing them. And, and so when we talk about stewardship, it's important for us to see and understand that God really wants to bless us. It's about getting us to a place, getting our minds, uh, because you'll never change until your mind changes. So getting our minds to wrap around this whole idea, this whole concept of managing what is in our care, being the Lord's agents, being the Lord's governors over all that he has put in our care. And we have to understand, we have to see from his vantage point that he's putting us in a government position. Now, in the United States, or in any country, it's good to work for the government. Government employees have good benefits. They tend to make good money. It's good to work for the government. Really good. I mean, you want some good governmental benefits, good benefits, work for the government. That's why people try to get government jobs. I worked for the government before, and, and, and I noticed that uh, whenever there are coups in different countries, people want to be in government because if you're in government, you have access to the money. Yep. Some countries, the governments are the largest employers in the country. So, you know, there's something about working for the government. There are blessings in it. And so if we can wrap our minds around this, that God is elevating us, it is not a place where he's putting us down. It's not a place where he's putting something on us that we cannot handle. It, 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 from God's vantage point, he is lifting us up. He's lifting us up. He's putting us in a place of blessing. And, you know, when you begin to study the scriptures, one of the things that you begin to study is that God wants to, one, you begin to understand, God wants to bless his people. God is always willing to bless his people. Now, 
again, I have to remind us, uh, and it's my place to do it, um, just in case we forget. Because as I said on last Sunday, sometimes in church and in the, in the songs we sing and the things we say, uh, we would give the impression that you can do whatever you want to do uh, and God's still going to bless you. So, so we can be very emotional and very religious and we can sing uh, wonderful songs, you know. And, 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 but there's some requirements that come along with God blessing his people. Bottom line. Yeah, the bottom line, you know. Uh, uh, we will get excited in worship, you know, and, and I gave this example in the class that I had, uh, that I taught. Uh, you take, there are some balls that are real soft, and you take the ball and you put it in your hand and you squeeze it, and it takes on the shape of your hand. You can see your fingerprints in the hand. But once you release that ball, it eventually it will go back to its former shape. It only conforms to the pressure that you're putting on it. And so sometimes in worship, pressure is put on people, and they give great responses to the gospel because the Word of God will put pressure on you, and you will say yes, all right? But then you take, you take, you take Play-Doh. You know what Play-Doh is, right? And you, you squeeze that Play-Doh in your hand, and once you release it, the Play-Doh, still has the shape of your hand on it. It cannot go back, okay? Sometimes in church, we're like, we're like that sponge ball. We feel the pressure, and, and, and we get excited, and we get emotional, but as soon as the pressure is gone, we go back to doing the things we've been doing all along. So, so we can make a lot of commitments while we're in church. We can commit to doing anything, especially when the Spirit of God is moving, you know, or we are very emotional by, by what is taking place, whether it's the preaching or the singing. You know, we'll say, yes, Lord. We'll come to the altar and we'll say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And then we'll get out of the door and we forgot just that quick that we promise. You know, it's like the person that looks at himself in the mirror and as soon as he walks away, he forgets what he saw. Yeah, yeah. So what God is trying to do is God is God. God wants us to get away from being so emotional, and we're emotional people. Black people are emotional. We'll cry about anything. <laughs> but when the tears are gone, you know, <laughs> my daddy. I think about my daddy right now. My daddy be whipping us. We said, Dad, I ain't going to do it no more. I'm not going to do it anymore, Daddy. He said, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, have mercy. <laughs> but, you know, we, we, we'll get emotional and we'll say, we're not going to do this. We're going we're gonna to do this, 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 and this. And then once the emotion is gone, we conform back to our, we just bounce back to our former shape and continue to do the things we've been doing all along. What God is trying to help us do is not, not go back. He doesn't want us to go back because he wants to bless us. And the blessings come in our faithfulness. That's where the real blessings of God come in our faithfulness. Be careful because the devil will disguise himself as an angel of light. And he will do things in your life to make you think you're being blessed. He'll even give you stuff, and he'll, he'll open up some stuff for you. But he always has 
he has an ulterior motive in whatever he does. Always. And I was sharing with the young men that were at the conference from something. I was talking with one of them. Because you look at those young people and you see how, how gifted they are. You know, and, and I was sitting there, and I was one of the young men, and you know who I'm talking about. You know, he's you, you, you could see him on stage. Yeah, you could see him. You could just see him uh, on stage performing. And I said to him, you know, God has gifted you, but you have to be careful because, and, and Brother Carlton was sharing this, as you grow and as you go, there will be people who will come after your gift only to prostitute your gifting, only to get what they want out of you, and when they finish with you, they are done, and you will be left hurting. Satan always has an ulterior motive. He will show you the lights. He'll get your name out there with the big dogs. But there are some things that come along with being out there with the big dogs. So you have to make sure that you're rooted and grounded in the Lord and that you are surrounded by people who will hold you accountable. Stewardship is about helping us to understand this. It's about helping us to understand this and helping us to see God's heart for his people. We've got to see that because Satan has put in our minds that God has lied to us. Satan is putting out my mind. You're sitting back and you say, oh, no, he didn't put that in my mind. Okay. So, Eve, what did the devil say to you? The devil said that you shall not surely die. God lied to you. God is holding something back from you. All you have to do is eat from the fruit of that tree. And your eyes will be open and you'll become like God. And so she looked at it. Yeah, God must have lied to me. God told me not to eat from this tree. You know, you, you, you say things without saying them. You say things in your actions. You know, that's why, you know, when people ran to Jesus and said, good master, Jesus said, uh-oh. He said, oh, why do you call me good? There's none good but the Father. Jesus knows what's in us, you know? And so we'll say a whole lot of stuff, but it doesn't mean we mean what we say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 the, so, so, you know, we have to be very careful because Satan will put in our minds, and it will be, it will be resting in the back of our minds. Listen to me. God says, this is not good. Your flesh says, this feels good. How could it not be good? Young people, listen to me. Because we've all, most of us have fallen into that trap. And we, we satisfy the desires of the flesh when we know that the scripture says, this is not good for you. It doesn't have to be sex. It could be apple pie. It can be chocolate cake. It can be fried chicken. <laughs> Amen. 
That's right. God can say, it's not good. Your flesh says, how can anything that is crispy and moist not be good for me? Yes, it tastes so good. How can it not? God lied to you. That's what, that was a, God put that in, mind, that in the mind of that preacher to talk about that, to try to stop you from eating all of those chitlins and, those fat, and that fat back and all of those ham hocks. And all that fried food, God, God keep putting that in the mind of that preacher because he's trying to get you to stop doing something that's good for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. I thank the Lord. You know I bless the Lord because God will always give me something else when I stand up to preach. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. But, but, but what stewardship is about is trying to help us to see, help us to wrap our minds around, help us to grasp that God wants what's best for us. Amen? Listen, without vision, what do people do? Stewardship is giving you vision. There is a, 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 a translation of that scripture that says, without vision... People cast off restraints. So when you cast off restraints, you're running here now, and you're going after whatever your eyes see. You have no vision. You have no focus. You have no direction. So what God is doing in stewardship is giving us some direction. He's helping us to see that I'm entrusting you with everything you have, even your body. And I want you to manage it in a way that will bring glory and honor to me. Okay. Stewardship has a great benefit to the owner, but it also has a great benefit to the steward. All right? Listen, the owner already has... I'll say it again. The owner already has. If, you didn't, if the owner didn't have, you wouldn't be put in charge of what he has. The steward is the one who doesn't have. And as he yield him or herself to the one who has. So stewardship is not about the steward. If you mismanage the money that God puts in your hands, do you think it's going to hurt God? Do you think it's going to take anything away from God that you mismanage or we mismanage what he gives us? Not a, it's not going to detract from God at all. Because God already has. The whole world belongs to God. All of the money, all of the diamonds, all of the silver, all of the gold, it belongs to God. Who created people? 
So if we act up, he could just wipe us off and create some more people. What did he do with the flood? What did he do with Noah? He wiped away all of the living beings at that time except Noah and his family. Are you understanding? So stewardship is not so much about God as it is about the steward. And we've got to see that. Yeah. So God has. We don't. What we think we have belongs to God. Okay. Those people who, who, who have the mindset that, that, that they've obtained what they have without God sometimes find themselves losing life and everything in life. Others who think that they've attained what they have without God will in the next life be completely without. As a matter of fact, they're going to lift up their eyes in hell. Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So this points out to us that there is more to existence than what we experience in on this side or in this life. There is something that's called eternity, all right? And you will live forever in eternity, whether with God in heaven or with Satan in hell. The wise person. I know everybody wants to go to heaven. Most people do anyway. Just nobody want to die. <laughs> Nor do they want to live right. Most people don't want to trust Jesus either. But they want to go to heaven. If you don't believe me, go to the funeral of somebody you know that didn't love the Lord. Didn't get their life to Jesus. Just go to that funeral and listen to people talk about how good they were. Don't let them have done something in the community that's good. Well, at a funeral, you're not supposed to talk about anybody's bad stuff. Well, that's true, but you also don't have to lie and make them put them in heaven. Mm. Yeah. Back to our topic at hand. When we look at this principle, we begin to see the owner's heart. Okay. In each instance, there is elevation from being a servant to being a manager or a supervisor or a governor or an agent. And with, the, and with faithful stewardship, there is the sharing of the master's wealth. Somebody say, sharing the master's wealth. Is there any scriptural precedent for this? Look at Joseph. Look at Joseph. Joseph was made a steward in Potiphar's household. And not only in part of his household, but over the nation of Egypt. He was a steward. That's what he was. He was actually put in charge of the whole nation of Egypt. Do you think Joseph was a rich man? Come on now. Joseph got rich in Egypt. You. I 
I just said he was put in charge of Potiphar's household. Follow me. I just said he was put in charge of, of the whole nation. Now you ask me before or after. Follow me. Amen. Amen. I mean, when, when Joseph was finally raised up and put in charge of the whole nation, he had access, I mean, to everything that Potiphar had. I mean, he was second in command, second in command in the entire nation. A man that was born a Jew, born a Hebrew, sold into slavery by his brothers, was finally raised up. God positioned Joseph in Egypt so that the seed of the Hebrew people could be saved. He was a type of Christ. So, so not only, you know, the elevation is really God's elevation. You know, when you read the whole story and get over to, uh, when you get over to chapter 50, uh, verses 19 and 20, when Joseph's brothers, after their father died, realized, you know, they thought Joseph was going to finally get even with him. Joseph says, no. He said, I'm in the place of God. He says, I'm in the place where God put me. I'm in a place to bring salvation to many people. All right? So it's really God's elevation. So, so where, whereas Joseph may have started out as a favorite son, but he was still a servant, now he's been raised up to be second in command of an entire nation. God has blessed this man. Joseph has blown up, as people say. Yeah. You know, see, what happens along the way is that Joseph understands. Somebody say understands. What does the Bible say about understanding? And all you're getting, wow. Joseph understands or understood the heart and the moves of God. And when full revelation came to Joseph, he understood that God had sent him into Egypt for a purpose. When you read the story of Joseph, now don't watch the movie now. All right. For all those people who won't read the Bible but watch all these Bible movies, they're gonna, they have to make the movie so you'll be interested in them. So I keep your attention. So don't just watch the movie. But when you read the story of Joseph, even when he's thrown into prison, Joseph is never bitter. How many of you going through stuff and you become bitter with God or bitter with somebody else? Because you don't understand what God is doing We'll say God will never put on us more than we can bear. But when the stuff starts coming on us, we want to get off. God, take this off of me. God, why are you allowing me to go? Who are you? Who are you? I mean, you know, if Jesus had to suffer, what about me? Why can't I suffer? Why can't I go, go through? All right? And I can't keep going up the rough side of the mountain because that's the easy side to go up. So don't be singing that song. <laughs> go up the smooth side of the mountain if you want to have a hard time. If you want to talk about your hard time, try to put, you ever watch mountain climbers when they got that little spike that they stick it in and they catch them by the end of their fingertips and find a place and pull it up on the smooth 
Now you're talking about a hard time. But still you have to consider him who endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You've not yet resisted under blood striving against sin. And many things, many times we're going through stuff, not because we're striving against sin, because we, but because we've been participating in sin. We got to get understanding. We got to get understanding. And let me tell you something. You cannot get understanding just by singing gospel songs. You got to get in this word. You got to keep yourself in the presence of God. You got to get before God. You got to pray. Singing is not going to do it. Singing is like dessert. And anytime you only eat dessert and starches, you're going to be unhealthy. You got to have a balanced meal. Amen? Amen? I'm not talking, sing all the songs you want to sing, but get in the Word. Amen. Get in this Word and get rooted and grounded in this Word. If you want to know the ways of God and the principles of God, and most of the time, what you're singing is what somebody else wrote. There are not a whole lot of songwriters in here. Somebody say amen. amen. When the last time you wrote a song? One or two people in here wrote a song out of their experience in time with the Lord. Most folks just singing what somebody else wrote. <laughs> Am I not telling the truth? Well, why are y'all looking at me like I'm strange? I'm not strange. <laughs> Hallelujah. Bless the name of Jesus. Get understanding. Joseph understood that the heart of God and the moves of God, and when full revelation came, he understood that God had sent him into Egypt for the purpose of bringing a whole lot of people to salvation. He was a faithful steward, and God blessed him. God blessed him. God elevated him. God caused him to blow up because he was faithful. Psalm 35, verse 27, comes to my mind a whole lot of times. It says, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, who hath what? Pleasure in the prosperity of his people, of his servant. So God takes pleasure when he sees me prospering. It makes God feel good. It makes God happy when he sees me prospering. When he sees me, not just prospering financially, but when he sees me prospering spiritually. When he sees me understanding his principles and putting his principles to work in my life. Because that causes supernatural advancement. That is advancement that cannot come from your, your boss or your supervisor or your mama or your daddy. That's advancement that only God can bring in your life. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Am I talking to anybody in here today? Yeah, yeah. So, when you look at this thing, El Shaddai takes pleasure when he sees his children prospering. El Elyon, Elohim, the most high God, the covenant God, the almighty God, gets pleasure when he sees his people 
prospering. When do we begin to prosper? When we begin to work his principles. You shall be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in your basket, blessed in your store. Well, uh, uh, we don't have fields anymore. Blessed on your job, blessed in your income, blessed in your bank account, blessed in your investments. Your enemy come against you one way, they'll flee seven different ways. When you keep my commandments, when you do what I say do, not just because you quote the scripture and get happy off of it and do a dance. Look at this parable. Just, and it spoke to me because when I read it, Jesus is saying this to the people about what God wants to do for his people. It says, be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. Like servants waiting on for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. They don't have to get dressed. They ain't got to put the shoes on. They got to go brush the teeth. They got to open the door. Come on in. So they're ready. Somebody say ready. So God says to, says to us that as the servants, we have to be living in readiness. All right? Uh, and it says, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. It will be good. It will be good for those servants. That means that every one of the servants won't be watching. And all of the servants will not be ready. But for those who are ready, it will be good for them. How will it be good for them? Jesus says this now. Truly I tell you, this is, the, this is what the master will do. He will dress himself to serve. He will have them recline at the table and will come in and wait on them. Is this not what the Bible says? He says it will be good when you're ready. And, and, and this is what stewardship is about. When God sees us latching on to his principles and working his principles, that means that we're in readiness. All right? We're taking care of ourselves. We are up on our own bodies, our own minds, our own spirits. We're up on top of things, and we're doing what we ought to do. And we're managing well our time. We're managing our talents. You know, um, as I say this, this comes in my spirit because some of you sitting there saying, Pastor, what about grace and mercy? You know what? I thank God for grace and mercy. Your grace and mercy brought me through. Yes, sir. I'm living this moment because of you. But you know what? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? I mean, are we going to be people who are going to sit back and say, well, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to mismanage what God has blessed me with. And then I'm just going to depend on God's grace and God's mercy to take me through. Well, you know what? God doesn't look at the outward appearance of man. God looks at the heart. So God knows when your motives are not right. Be careful about waiting on grace and depending on grace and mercy. Because your heart may not be right. And there is no mercy 
Because these other servants down here, and I'm going to finish in a minute because uh, I'm, I'm, about, I'm about done. When he goes on in the low part of this, there were some servants uh, who said, my master's taking a long time in coming. And he then begins to beat the men servants and the maid servants and to go and eat and drink and get drunk. I mean, he's just going to have, have a party. I mean, just, 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 just go hog wild because he said, the master's taking a long time coming. I'm going to depend on his mercy. I'm going to depend on the grace that I'm going to be able to get, get it right, get it back together before he gets here. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour when he's not aware. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Do y'all, do you read that? Do you hear that? You know, so, so people who, who, who have, who, whose life is just, and I know that we, we all depend on the mercy of God, but, my brothers and sisters, we got to have a spirit. we got to have a motivation. we got to have a desire to come up to where God wants us to be. We just can't be doing whatever we want to do and say, oh, I'm going to make it in. God's going to bless me anyhow. All i got to do is go to church and, 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 and uh, I'm not even a tither, but, you know, that was an anointed preacher that came to town and he, in town and he said, if you sow $100, God's going to bless you. So I have been tithing all year long, and I'm going to sow that $100, and God's going to bless me. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You just gave some money in the offering and blessed somebody else. There ain't no blessing coming your way. Been robbing God all year long. Amen. You know, people are getting upset with churches, and, and sometimes rightfully so now. Now, I'm going to say this, and I know this has happened, so, uh, you know, I'm not talking about anybody in here. It happens at my home church, too. So don't be upset with me for saying this, but I got to say this, okay? Folk are getting upset with churches, you know, now that nowadays because they're charging people for burial grounds and, and what have you. But you got to think about this now. You got to think about this. When folk don't they work all of their lives, and they don't support the ministry. Yeah, we should be here for the family, and we should support the family, but my goodness, land costs money. If you go to the city cemetery, you're going to pay. If you, if you go rent a hall to have a party, you're going to pay. So what makes you think you ought to come on and give an offering to the pastor? I mean, a good one, too, and give an offering to the church? And pay for your burial plot. One day we might buy some ground so y'all can be buried, but hopefully you live a long time. And we just get caught up to see Jesus. Are you understanding what I'm saying? There has to be some faithfulness. There has to be some faithfulness. God is looking for faithfulness in people. And guess what? It's for our benefit. It is for our good. God says, I want to position you so that I can bless you. And your blessings have to be more than just salvation. Yes, you're saved, but you're going to live after you get saved. And I want to expand you. I want you to be, how did y'all say it last night? Bigger, brighter, and better. 
Where's it going to come from? It's going to come and you've been a faithful steward of what God has blessed you with. You look at this, every, when you look at the parables of the steward, when we preach from Matthew chapter 25, for the, the man who gained five more talents, the man who gained two more talents, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He wasn't talking about going to heaven. He was talking about sharing in his wealth. Because when you look at the parable, he never asked them to give him back anything. He only takes away from the one who was unfaithful. Principles of Scripture. Hallelujah. Are you receptive to the Lord? Are you really receptive to what God has to say? Because a lot of this deals with receptivity. You know, when I hear the word of the Lord, am I really receiving this? When I hear the teachings of Scripture, am I receiving this? Am I, am I, am I reordering my life so that I become a faithful steward of what God has put in my care? You know, an issue with a lot of Christians is we think we've already arrived. There's a reason the Lord sent this message to us today. God wants to bless us, but sometimes even our expectation level is not there. Definitely our trustworthiness, our trustworthiness is not there. God can't trust us with time. God can't trust many of us with resources. God can't trust many of us with healthy bodies. God can't even trust many of us to sit and listen to a message for 30 or 40 minutes. I know it gets difficult sometimes. I often say, and, and this is not the only thing, but in the afternoon service, I like to be the preacher, so, because it's hard to stay awake. But you can do things to stay awake, can't you, other stuff? <laughs> you can tell people, don't talk to me while I'm in service. Don't be showing me stuff. Don't bring me your baby to hold while I'm in service. Think about that. You know, some people... Think about the things that distract you. One little thing at the right time will make you miss something very important. God can't trust us because sometimes we think we have it all together. We got this figured out. You know what? This man probably thought he figured it, had it figured out. So he said, the master's gone, and I've got time. Let's have a party. Bring me some liquor. Bring me some, I don't know what y'all drink, Jack Daniels or 
What, Hennessy? <laughs> Some, something. I don't Ah, that woke you up, huh? <laughs> Come on, let's get down. Let's throw a party. Get the right music. Come on. Let's, let's get that dancing up in here. And then the master came at a time when he was not expected. I want to be ready when the Lord comes. Not just that, that, that I'm prayed up. But I'm managing, I'm managing well what the Lord has given to me to manage. That I'm a faithful steward. And I'm, I'm glad that the Lord is saying to us, help my people understand that this is, this is me caring about them. It's not something that's going to take anything away from you. It's actually going to put you in a place of blessedness. It's going to put you in a place of largeness. It's going to put you in a place of plenty. It's going to put you in a place where I can blow you up. Amen. Let's stand. Hallelujah.